0: Let's get ready to shift our shit with the SOS podcast featuring Megan Bartley and Rob Giltner.
1: Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome back to another live episode of Shifting Our Shit. I'm Rob, and as always, joined by Megan. Megan, if today is an animal, what animal would it be? Mm, good
0: question. Good question. I don't know. I'm thinking of something that hibernates like a bear. It's kind of drizzly here today. So, you know, cold and drizzly makes me want to hibernate.
1: What about yeah. for you? Yeah, that's a great, so let me think about that. Um, if there is an animal that kind of wants to hibernate, but can't, that, <laughs> you know, that, that would kind of be kind of what I'm feeling. Uh, right. Well, any, anyway, so, um, yeah we're we're kind of excited to talk about this because we've had a few um, clients that we mentioned that have reached out about this Netflix show um, about a therapist that seems um, to be um, I don't know it seems seems to be a great show. I, you know, I'll just kind of hang up and listen and let you see, you what know, well, yeah, what what are we talking about, and what do you think of what we're about to talk about?
0: right. Well, I think, you know, the, the show is Stutz and it's Jonah Hill interviewing his therapist and, you know, several clients had mentioned to me, oh, you got to watch it. Let's talk about it next time we I see you. You know, this idea of the tools in the toolbox, it seems like Jonah Hill is really interested in getting the tools that his therapist uses with his clients uh out to more people and it's a really interesting relationship and a really interesting story so if you haven't watched it you know it's a good watch um and yeah i, I, I it's interesting because i feel like our slogan if you will or you know tagline at the mindfulness center is tools for your toolbox to deal with all of life stressors so i feel like you know all of us each therapist maybe has their own tools that they use um, but I like the idea that if there are some simplified ways that therapists have, you know, figured out how to explain something simply, how to get their client motivated or, you know, how to just, you know, get the change to happen a, a little bit more efficiently or quickly. I think that's a wonderful thing to to happen. And there's there's a lot of different themes, you know me, I like themes, themes in the in the show. Um so I'm hoping that we can dive into that, but I wonder what you thought of the show cuz you had already watched it when I reached out to you to say let's let's do this as a podcast.
1: Yeah, I'll well, I have a lot of thoughts. Um and and the first is, is the most obvious, I think maybe just coming from a therapist, um is the relationship with with the client. So with with Jonah Hill, which is interesting and there's some pros and, and cons that can come from it, and I think there's some benefits. Um, that's better put it in some um, areas that we, you know, may want to look elsewhere. And what I mean by that is, it, you know, any it's just his own model. I think it's kind of like the X, you know, X model of therapy that just does. Yes. And when if we're a purist in the model, uh, sometimes we can lose some sight that it might not be for everybody. And what, what works for Jonah Hill, he, he says something very specifically that, I, you know, I thought was great insight, that I listen to my friends and they give me advice, but I pay a therapist to listen and they should be reversed. And kind of the help of you, I'm learning that that's not, the case with everybody, and so in my sessions, in the very beginning, I often ask, you know, what would you like my role, the therapist role, to be? Is it to be, you know, someone that you can just share and vent, and someone that creates a safe place and listen? Is it someone that would like tools? It would, would it, would it be something else? And it's interesting hearing everybody's response on kind of what they want, and so that's a a thought I have. The second and especially with individual therapy and not so much couples therapy is a part of that I really align with that just you know listening even if it connects with the client on their wanting tools like isn't enough we want the client to be able to leave with something tangible I very much align with that This I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) It's going to be long-winded, and and so I'm just going to go. And so I'm sorry, but
0: yeah, go for it.
1: A pet peeve I have, and probably maybe it's a pet peeve someone may have by me, and this is where I can help with you of trying to kind of come in the middle. But when clients come into my office and they say, "Gosh, I didn't have a previous good experience with therapy because," I would come to each session and the therapist would say, okay, what do you want to talk about today? And there's a time and a place for that. And it's much, you know, it's needed to process maybe what has happened. If something major happens in between each session, but clients in this case didn't really feel like they were going anywhere. And that may not be it for everybody. Sometimes we do just want to go to our therapist and uh, we, we feel like we may need to just share and process and, um, externalize all what's going on internal because that's helpful but for some clients say you no know, I, I already process well I need the tools I need to be moving forward and so um I kind of uh, align with that and that's what makes me feel about kind of Stutz is he says, okay, well if this is the type of client like Jonah Hill that wants to be moving forward uh, he's not paying me to just listen he's paying me for movement then something tangible uh, so I'll, I'll kind of stop there because I can keep going but those are just uh, a couple main observations I have. What, what do you
0: right. think of that? Well, well, you know, I like that you've, you've framed it as sort of a pet peeve. Um, I like what Stutz said at one point about when he was under mentorship or supervision of other psychiatrists. And uh, he said, you know, how are we helping them get better I, and i'm paraphrasing and the the psychiatrist says oh well, we're not really doing that we're we're just sort of keeping them in therapy long term which i think is the antithesis of what we do at the mindfulness center and my you know i my idea of this is like i want to help give clients tools for them to have you know going forward that they can use on any scenario or situation and so they don't have to be in therapy long term. You know, like some like that, where they want to kind of have a check in either once a month or once a year or every six months or weekly. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I think, like you said, you know, each client's gonna show up differently. And we, you know, part of what we do in our p- intake paperwork is we are assessing for.
1: So, so Megan's audio kind of went out, and so what, what, what I believe she, what she's going to say is that we're uh, kind of assessing on what kind of change they want to see and how they'll be able to know. And so that's something measurable because without measurable, we can say, I want anxiety to get better, and that's this broad goal. And so how do we know if we're really going to achieve that? How do we measure that? And that keeps us um, focusing on here's tools, here's trial and error. Um, I remember when I was in school, you know, Megan and I went to the same institution and, uh, you know, they said, here's the treatment plan. You got to follow it and then you got to get them out the door. Uh, and I had a client as an intern I was working with that wanted to stay and said, no, like, you know, the, the director of the program we were in, said they achieved their goals. It's time to discharge them. And it was such a unique experience. But it looks like, Megan, you're back. So, yeah, um, sorry about that. You, you finished what you were going to say.
0: We're perfectly imperfect today and every day, right? So mm-hmm. my internet is in and out, spotty today. Yeah, well, just, you know, the idea of our goal at the mindfulness center is not to keep clients in therapy long term. It's really to give them tools and to, you know, help them move forward. If people want to be in therapy long term and have somebody to talk about, we're happy to do that too. But we want to be respectful of people's time and energy and money and, you know, our paperwork, intake paperwork helps us understand and helps the client maybe formulate, you know, what am I coming in here for? What, what do I want to get out of this? What will it look like when I'm done? So it's all very purposeful of, you know, for us to see how to best work with the client and then, you know, also how the client can best work with us too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And again, it's all um, adjusting to the client's needs. And so I really appreciate how you said, if the client wants to be a long term and wants that type of relationship, there's nothing wrong. That's you. You are very, very in touch, and you know with what you need, and you are asking for that. So we very much appreciate it. Um, a- another piece I really appreciate with Stutz, and actually a client, it was the uh, the the day you texted me about it, uh, or the day after, because I saw this client on Thursday, and she gave me such a compliment and I, I don't know if she intended it to be but it was such a compliment because she said rob i watched that stut documentary and you need to watch it because um his he would create she didn't know i've seen it i'm just letting her tell me uh, and she goes rob he creates this um these art and gives it to the clients kind of like you do and i yeah. thought that was so so because when I was a young, younger therapist, I had didn't have confidence that I could articulate my uh, understandings or empathy, you know, very well, and I, I didn't want it to draw it out. So I would create visuals and either show it or give it to the client, and I still do that sometimes. I'm kind of doing it more now because Stutz kind of gives me this permission. I, you know, see sure. the benefit. But um, I really align with that. and I've also found what he describes it as well, it is a form of connection with the client. Now they have something that I've given them, I made, there's this connection there. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can definitely see that from you know, times in the past working with clients. And so I really appreciate the, you know the tools almost he gives, being physical in an image and he cans it in that act of handing it to him and they holding on to it, is um uh, is is pretty cool and i align with that
0: absolutely i think visuals can be really helpful and you know i have my uh share of visuals that i like to use so um yeah just to simplify things for us you know we're trying to explain sometimes pretty complicated you know uh things or you know that are emotionally complicated and we're trying to simplify it so you know i think it, that's important. And and what's interesting is, you know, because I have clients who, you know, years later will say, you know, or however long we say, uh, you know, I have you in my head. I have, you know, I think about the rainbow of options or I think about the hands and am I feeling like the critical parent or the hurt and lonely child or, you know, things like that, that the therapist sort of sticks with you as sort of, you know, maybe this guide who's, in your head in a positive way, right? Just as Stutz is in uh, Jonas Hill in a positive way. And you know, I think that relationship, yes, you know, that this was incredibly helpful for Jonah Hill, the relationship between them. I loved, you know, the the transparency that kind of transpired as we saw when they when Jonah Hill said, you know, well we're gonna spoiler alert, spoiler alert here. You know, about the um, meeting in his office versus having a set, you know, for this movie and, you know, wearing the same clothes so that it looked consistent over years and, and all of that. I like that that information was given to the viewer so that they could see, you know, that there was this element of wanting to have a consistency or conciseness of the messaging and not necessarily the distraction of seeing, you know, things be, you know, in different outfits or why did they change outfits in the middle of this conversation or whatever? So, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I also liked, you know, what I found really, really intriguing is when Jonah Hill started asking Stutz some personal questions about his own brother. And there's, you know, more connection there for the two of them. And then, you know, being in like love relationships and, you know, it's interesting to me, I mean, I I know, like, being a therapist, you know, how much do you share with your clients? And how much do you not share? And the, the, the longer I've been a therapist, because I've been, you know, doing this now for 20 years, I'm more comfortable sharing personal things when I really feel like it's going to benefit the client, you know, and I've, I've had moments where i said, oh, yeah, when I go to my therapist, blah, blah, and client will sort of like look at me like, wait, you have a therapist? You go to therapy? You know, you're not perfect, you know, and I think that was another sort of theme in the movie is assuming that the therapist has all the answers or the therapist has some great, magical, wonderful life, you know, outside of therapy And the reality is we're just humans and we have our own shit that we're trying to shift. And so, of course, you know, I would I would hope that most therapists go to therapy or that they're, you know, continually learning and growing and processing in a way that's going to help them personally, but also help them professionally. Because I I really think, you know, if you're if you're working on yourself personally, it's only going to help you professionally.
1: Mm hmm. And it's interesting that you brought up and kind of felt that uh, because I didn't think of it that way, and it's so true. You know, all therapists, I think, can have therapy because we're humans ourselves. And I love that Robin Williams line in uh, Good Will Hunting. It's like um, I can teach it. I didn't say I could do it. You know, I kind of recognize <laughs> that I can. You know, just because we I can talk about anxiety doesn't mean I have control over mine, really or can manage it well. Yeah. But I I, I thought it was I, one thing I took away. From the interaction that you're speaking of is one or more of Jonah Hill. That kind of it's he wanted to play therapist. He wanted to be the therapist. Yeah, they have a very close relationship. Obviously, they tell each other they lo- they love them. I, I think Jonah Jonah wanted to be Studs' therapist. And at the beginning, you know, the camera and this this part of the film. Was really just locked in on Stutz. There's no more Jonah Hill. You hear Jonah Hill's work, and it would just focus on, on Stutz. And Jonah was starting to ask, you know, these personal questions at the beginning. Stutz tried to set a boundary, as like, hey, I, you're not my therapist, or I don't want like, you don't want to right. go there. And Jonah kind of backed off, and then went hard, you know, went direct again. And that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, Stutz accepted at that time which I didn't appreciate. I know it's good because we want to learn more about his life. And so it helps the film, but but I would, I would think I would hope, or at least for me, it's a personal one that I have a therapist. I'm a therapist. I also have a therapist, but my clients, I do not want them to be the therapist, Mm. not because I don't like them, but because I want them focusing on how they can best take care of themselves it's right. like I, with my therapist, I want to focus on that kind of with me. Yes. Um, and so I know this is for the sake of the film, but I was really kind of left with like, gosh, it's just, you know, Jonah wants to play therapist here. He has such yeah. a, yeah. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, yes. And I think that really, and they say this in the movie that they, they have such a fondness and a care for one another. I, and I think Jonah said this pretty blatantly of like, you know, he he was like, I love you. I want, I want things to go well for you. You know, I care about you. So, you know, there's a whole other theme in the movie about a chronic illness that's going on and, you know, the managing a chronic illness. And, um, you know, I, I feel that towards my clients, you know, where yeah, I yeah. feel a certain like care towards them of like, you know, I want what's best for them. And I, you know, especially when it's a long-term client, you know, that you really Mm -hmm. have gotten to know and you've seen them make these improvements and you, you know, I feel just inspired maybe by the client doing some hard work um, and processing and and shifting and changing and doing all these things. you know where i there is a piece of me that's like how else can i help out like what else and then i have to kind of back off and be like okay that's a boundary you know i don't need to meddle in anything too you know far i can trust that this person will figure out whatever else they need to figure out but i do you know it is interesting where you know i've had clients throughout the years who you know I feel close to, I don't feel necessarily like we're friends, but I feel like, you know, there is a friendly sort of connection with them that I think is helpful because it's not, you know, our method in therapy too at the mindfulness center is not like a hierarchy where we're trying to be the expert. I mean, yes, we have a certain training and we have years of experience doing this, but we're really trying to empower the clients to be the expert on themselves. We trust that the client is the expert on themselves. And our job is just sort of, you know, removing layers of bullshit and years of, you know, all the things that they've layered on or been layered on that they don't necessarily have to believe anymore. So I, I just I saw it, it, it felt endearing. And I, I didn't feel it as super invasive because I also, you know, I I like how Stutz, he he was going to speak up to say like, no, I'm not willing to go there or yes, I'll give you a little more information. And I really appreciate it's taken me a long time in my life to be that assertive with realizing that I don't have to answer every question people ask me, you know, and I can say it in a kind and respectful way. I don't have to get like, hard and mean and like, you can't ask me that question, you know, like, or whatever the thing is, you just are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to go there. Or that's not somewhere I want to go right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I really respect people who are able to do that.
1: Yeah, I want to come back to the, the love they have for each other and the care about you, you care with your clients and something I really relate to and I'm so glad he said it, and I'm probably gonna butcher it, but the quote, I believe it is, is that vulnerability equals connection. Mm -hmm. And so the clients come into our office very vulnerable, and so that allows us to connect, and that allows us to deeply care about the clients that we see, and that care is like a loving care. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, some connections, just like we may be closer with some friends and others, um, but there's definitely a kind of connection there, I had a client one time, it, it was a couple, and they kind of came individually for a little bit too. One of them asked, gosh, well, does this person, you know, are they intimidating kind of to you? And I wasn't sure what they meant. And we talked about it and it's like, well, because they're, they allow themselves to be vulnerable, and which we do in therapy, well, and there's no intimidation, but then there's this really opportunity to connect and to feel and to care. and that is is such a primary feeling in the session that like intimidation or like that's judgment, it's like therapists really don't judge because of that connection, that vulnerability. And it's like cherish. And so that's why, and I just thought that was interesting. And, and I really like that quote again, a vulnerability equals connection.
0: Absolutely. True, so, true yeah. in so many things. I think, but I think it's, hard to be vulnerable if you're not feeling emotionally safe with the person you're trying to connect to, right? So, you know, this is especially hard if you have like family members, you know, if, if you have parents or siblings or grandparents that you're trying to connect with, we've t- been talking about this around the holidays, is you want to be fully yourself and you want to be vulnerable and you want to lay it all out on the table. Is it safe to do that? How will that be received? It's sort of like knowing your audience. Is this this a safe place to do that? Or do I need to feel like I'm withholding or even hiding something about myself? Or it's just, you know, another way to look at it is, you know, this is more of a private thing in this scenario where I don't feel comfortable sharing this piece of myself or this thing about myself because I don't feel like how it's going to be received is going to be helpful to me or helpful to the other person or whatever. So it's a really interesting, and honestly, I mean, I have to say, you know, maybe not all therapy is that way. You know, maybe there are going to be therapists who it isn't safe to share. You do feel judged or the person's trying to move you too fast to like feel better or whatever. And you're just kind of needing to be wherever you're at. So um, and hopefully, you know, that's why a lot of times they say the the number one, uh, the number of sessions that's most co- common for therapists is one session, because mm-hmm. people come, they check you out, they see if it, this is going to be a good fit or not, and then, you know, they either bail and go find someone else, which I think is absolutely appropriate, or they say, okay, you know, this person will work for now and see how it goes, and I like who this person is, and I feel comfortable, right? That I feel, can I fully be myself? But how many times, like I know when I was in therapy, I think the first time I was in therapy, I was like 16, 16 or 17. And um, I remember I loved my therapist. I loved her to death. And really, I mean, she was a marriage and family therapist and that's how I know I knew to go into, you know, that as the, the specific license that I went to get. Um, but I know that there was things that I was withholding from her because I didn't want to talk about those things. I was there to talk about something very specific and I didn't want to talk about, you know, the other things, even though probably could have helped and it probably was all interconnected, but I was being protective. You know, I wasn't in a place where I could be fully, fully vulnerable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a great point. And it's because we don't want to assume that all, Therapy, all relationships, like we we can be vulnerable because it's not safe. But like under the impression of like this, the the Stuts and Jonah's relationship, that like they it was safe. That was a safe environment they both created, which um, allowed it to connect. And so themes. And you really appreciate the themes. What other themes do you really admire about um, this this film?
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, one of the, the topic that we were gonna, we were looking at doing today before the Stut stuff came up was the idea of discomfort and making friends with discomfort. And there were three things that they really honed in on like three givens in life is pain, uncertainty, and constant work. And I thought that was really interesting, you know, and, and so how do we make fr- friends with knowing that pain, uncertainty, and constant work are gonna be a part of our life, you know, like for our whole life. And so, um, you know, the, the idea of coping skills, if you will, the tools in your toolbox to be like, okay, when things, you know, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, how do I deal with that? When things are uncertain, you know, I might get laid off from my job or I'm in a relationship and it looks like we might separate or divorce, you know, that uncertainty eats away at us um, and then just also the constant work, whether it is an actual, you know, occupation or job or it's the parenting work or it's the work you put into a relationship or marriage, you know, I think um, I liked, I like that distilling down to, you know, and I, you know, the thing keeps coming back while we're talking is that book the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because that book really was such an awesome uh, synopsis of, it's not about not giving a fuck at all, it's about choosing what you're gonna give a fuck about, right, and so if we focus so heavily on this horrible, horrible situation, you know, uh, or it, it can kind of, you know, I can't I can't articulate this but it's you know how we pay attention to what you want to pay attention to that came the whole like what you feed grows kind of thing is there's always going to be we could call it suffering right like there's always going to be pain uncertainty constant work you know how do we view that can we be in sometimes appreciative of that um and can we choose, okay, this is the difficulty I'm choosing. I'm going to choose to power through this. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to work on some of these things so that I can, you know, which are difficult. You know, therapy is not always fun, you know, <laughs> but it's so, I don't know. I I I want to make sure people, you know, if they haven't read that book to know that as a resource because I think that was just a wonderful way. And he, you know, Mark Manson he is not a therapist, but he's had year's of therapy. So he's kind of writing again from his experience of here are the tools I learned throughout my therapy process. So similar to Jonah Hill in that way of wanting to share these awesome tools or insights that they came to.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do you feel that if Jonah Hill went to, um, a different therapist with a the therapist that we assume that would also create a safe environment, but would go, would have a different style and different method of therapy. Would Jonah um, have a positive experience?
0: I think it's possible for sure. I think people choose, you know, a therapist, uh, whether directly or indirectly that they might sense that they're going to connect with you up front, whether they read a profile online, or they see their picture, or there was something about the therapist, they were like, okay, I I get this. This person could get me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, and part of Jonah Hills being a, you know, an actor, a comedian, you know, and having a therapist who utilizes humor is clearly going to be important to him, you know, or kind of have a no bullshit sort of vibe, you know, like they, uh, I think is helpful. And so I think people sort of gravitate towards maybe wanting a therapist that they, you know, interest them as far as, okay, this is an interesting person. I think they have some things that they could, you know, help me with, Um, or they you know, might see different qualities they want to emulate, you know, there's like, okay, they, they look like they know what they're talking about or whatever the thing is. So I think it's fully possible, but clearly he chose Stutz for, you know, whatever reason he chose him for, and it worked, right? Mm -hmm. If it, if it didn't work, he'd probably move on and try somebody else.
1: Right. And I'm so glad you mentioned that yeah, shout out to Lauren Townsend at Lowell Seminary, who's kind of suggested, or I can't even, you know, it's reported that the evidence suggests that the most important piece of therapy, or one of the most, I should say, is the connection with the therapist, and that not for every client, but if there is a strong connection, the client can mold themselves into the, the model of therapy. The therapist is, you know, offering if there is a strong connection, if the client or in the therapist really really believe in what they're working on with the client, the client is also more likely to kind of you know mold and follow through. Um, that's one Absolutely. thing that's really stuck with me from uh, from from school and that's uh, I'm so I'm so glad you said that because I also see a lot of common factors in the type of tools that Stuts does the, you know, IFS, and that, that we've had a session, I mean, a, a podcast kind of talking about, and I really thought of you when he was describing the maze and then putting Jonah in that trance of, you know, picturing all the love in the universe and then giving yes. it to that an individual as a way for freedom, the antidote to the maze. And so a lot of, you know, the mindfulness, but I, I just appreciate the those trance like activities and thought of you and thought of, yeah, just that's a lot of what he does is there's some common factors in, you know, what other therapists might do.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, I want to give a shout out to John Lentz, you know, at the Ericksonian Institute of Southern Indiana and talking about, we had a training on Friday and, you know, it just reminds me every time I'm in his presence, I'm learning from him, um, the idea of the more connected, if it, and we're using our intuition, you know, like when we're as a therapist settling into our role as a therapist in the therapy space and sort of in this place of ready and receiving sort of information, if you will. It's very subconscious oriented, very intuitive, and it's it's a really cool process when the therapist allows themselves to get into that space to connect with the client on a level that maybe that the client has never ever had anyone connect with them before on you know and that you know it's almost like if you know you want to go so far as like it's almost like a psychic ability of that intuition that sensitivity of just you know, the therapist being able to sort of listen to what is this client needing from me today? What is this client needing in this moment? How can I best help this client that you're sort of, you know, waiting to hear from, you know, whatever energy or vibes or whatever's happening in the session that you're just like, you know, and we we talked about this on Friday of like, and we practiced it even of like, if you have sense, like I'll say, you know, I've got this sense that maybe X, Y, Z, and I'll say like, I don't know if I'm onto something or not, but you know, is that something that you, it, that resonates with you? And usually the client's wide-eyed like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? You know, it's rare that they're like, no, nope, nope, not at all. You know, like, and so it's neat to be able to do that and to connect on such a deep level Where the client can feel seen, right? Like feel heard and feel seen. And sometimes, you know, that's really such a big part of, you know, our 50 minute hours, if you will, of like, how can I just be giving this person my absolute fullest attention? Um, And, you know, not a lot of us have someone who will give us 50 minutes of their undivided time. And so it, it can be really powerful when somebody does do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. And also, again, thought of you, as, you mentioned the humor, but the humor he uses and so funny, <clears throat> you know how he says <clears throat> when Jonah would sit down, sometimes he'd say, I, don't lay all your shit on me today or, <laughs> you know, it, it, entertain me in such a. Sometimes we can come into the therapist office as a client. I'm speaking for myself as a client, and sometimes we're like, Man, it's been a hell of a week. I know a lot of clients think, Okay, what am I going to talk about? And like, Gosh, well, this happened to me. And you come in and you sit down, and it's almost like, All right, I'm about to unload. And just, you know, that, and it can be heavy. And so the humor can destabilize you and be like, Oh, man, okay, well, this is fun, you know, light, enjoyable, we're here to help. And, Uh, the emotions and what they cause doesn't have to be so serious, even though they are maybe urgent and powerful.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, and that technique of saying, don't, you know, don't lay your shit on me today is the subconscious way of saying, go ahead, lay your shit on me. Right. mm -hmm. Like the, the brain doesn't process the don't can't stop. Won't, you know, when, when it's being directed by someone else, uh, because there is something inherent that wants to uh rebel against that right
1: back mm-hmm. to that idea sure.
0: of you know don't lay your shit on me well yeah i'm gonna lay my shit on you you know yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: just watch just watch i'll do it
1: well are there any other big takeaways you have from the show
0: well i have an interesting share so i actually met jonah hill and spent an evening with jonah hill when we lived in austin texas um during south by southwest we had a friend whose sister was married to um david and this Wayne. is the real reason
1: why you wanted to bring this up today <laughs> <laughs> wanted, yeah, i had to like, sneak that in there
0: he won't remember me at all that's totally fine but it was it was an interesting it was when super bad was coming out so this was like 2007 and um Uh, It was Jonah Hill, Martin Starr, and Paul Rudd were some of the main people. Uh, We had dinner with them at Guero's Taco Bar in Austin. And then we went to karaoke because they're really big into karaoke and singing. Um, Paul Rudd had a movie called The Ten coming out, which was about the Ten Commandments. Um, And, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, it, this was like on a Sunday night during South by Southwest, and they all needed a ride home. Well, they were home. But they were staying at the Four Seasons. And um, and so my, my husband and I at the time, we were like, sure, we have, you know, a car big enough. We'll, we'll give you a ride home. It was pouring down rain. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, Monday. You know, we had to work the next day, but they had, you know, movie premieres that they were going to. And so we're like, sure, we'll give you a ride um you know down to the hotel and we get there and um and you know pull up to the hotel and they're sitting in the car in the back seat and they're just like still and they're not getting out of the car and like Ben and i are looking at each other like what's going on and i i, I don't know i think they were thinking maybe they we were gonna ask for their autograph or we were gonna try to get something from them which we weren't interested in doing that but um Paul Rudd, who had had a conversation with my husband at dinner about being from Kansas city. Uh, cause they're both from Kansas city. I said, you know, this is just what people from Kansas do for one another. Like this was just, you know, a very Midwestern thing to like give somebody a ride home or whatever. So they just were like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. You know, we appreciate it so much. And they we're just really, you know, thankful. And we've, we've become friendly with Martin Starr over the years who now, you know, he was in freaks and geeks and then, uh, now has been in like spider-man and all these different things but he was like we'll get you we'll get you tickets to the premiere for tomorrow night and you know trying to like give us things you know because we were just being kind and giving them a ride back to the hotel but it was an interesting experience so i can say that jonah hill has ridden in the back of my car
1: <laughs> that's and that's a great story and how much fun that must have been to yeah eat tacos go to karaoke and then just yes. having them all in the car and um that's a great story
0: yeah, I mean, you know, and for me, I was more interested in meeting uh, Paul Rudd because you sure. know that was that would have been my celebrity crush. We talked about celebrity crushes at one point back when Clueless was, uh, you know, coming out. I was like, oh, Paul Rudd, okay, he's he's a cute guy. So I was sitting next to Paul Rudd at dinner, and our knees were touching. So oh, I just want to say, oh, oh,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but my husband Any- was there as well, so they were all Any- good.
1: You never wash that knee again.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although I do think he was probably shorter than I was too, which, you know, that's a whole nother issue for me, well, but it is what I
1: got in a, hopefully gosh, cause he doesn't age. Uh, right. You know, I so, know. Gosh, being around the fountain. Well, that's, that is such a great story. So and... That's
0: my little, yeah, that's, that's why also this was interesting to me is, you know, Jonah Hill and we've met, you know, when we lived in Austin over the years, uh, we were, you know, kind of met a lot of people like the guys from um Silicon Valley. We've met some of them and had really interesting conversations with them about therapy and therapists and having a therapist and all this stuff. So, you know, over the years it's been interesting to, you know, have that connection. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's that's life in Austin, Texas for me.
1: Well, what a great story. And there, you know, there just seem like, uh, especially Paul Rudd, maybe just seems authentic. And I, maybe it's more of a hope, but like how he is in his movies, he seems like he kind of would be that way in real life, maybe. Yeah,
0: well, and I think it was interesting, because, you know, I mean, they're not there to meet us people, you know, so there i think they came off a little bit like guarded like you know who are these randos that are just having dinner with us you know Mm -hmm. but um so it was it was interesting you could tell by their friendship amongst the group um you know that they yes friendly and all the things but you know you can also tell that when you get to a certain level of Name or celebrity that it's sort of you know there's you want to be a little guarded or you know sure. not super you know you know you, you're like saving your energy i kind of thought it as like you're kind of reserving your energy for certain things so
1: mm-hmm. yeah good way to describe that yeah well th- this was a fun episode and so if, yeah. you, if you're listening and you haven't seen studs go check it out on netflix very uh yeah, it's very well done and very entertaining for a lot of reasons, uh, whether you're a client, a therapist or just like, you know, just like good films. Um, but Megan, anything else before we wrap up? So I may we may have lost her. So that, I think that's a no. But so everybody, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again next week.